Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. It may not be the biggest bureaucracy in the world, despite what Brexiteers may tell you, but the EU Commission Civil Service is certainly large, complex, and politically sensitive to the needs of 27 member states in the, and the wider world. Catherine Day used to run the EU Civil Service as its Secretary General of the European Commission between 2005 and 2015. She oversaw the accession of a dozen former communist nations into the bloc and managed the Eurozone crises. She's now set to become the second recipient of the Porik O'Higgin Award for Financial Services and her contribution to Ireland's financial sector. And she's on the line right now. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Joe. Congratulations on your award. Thank um, you. I mentioned uh, just two of the many issues that you had to contend with as the, uh, the boss of the EU Commission Civil Service. What was your least favourite? Oh, I think probably the long nights of the euro crisis. Because there was a feeling that if they didn't make the right decisions uh, in time, um, then not only the euro would probably crumble, but also the very EU would be shaken to its foundations. So they were nerve wracking nights, knowing um, the prime ministers, knowing that the markets were going to open uh, in the morning and that they had to decide. And they were on their own. Um, They weren't allowed to have any officials or their ministers with them. So it was really a case of the buck stopping on the Prime Minister's desk. Yeah, and of course Ireland was mixed up in that Eurozone crisis as well. It started yes. off with, with Greece, the famous pigs, and Ireland mm-hmm. was one of the two eyes in the pigs. Um, yes. it, ironically, it took an Italian to save the Euro. Well, an Italian working in an EU job, um, uh, working for in the ECB, Mario Draghi. And um, yes, it did. He had, uh, let's say, the courage and the vision to say, and the famous phrase that the ECB would do whatever it took yeah. uh, to solve the problem. And building the euro is still something that's ongoing. It's not uh, got all of the features that it needs to have, but it certainly has proven itself to be a stable um, currency and a reliable currency, uh, despite those awful moments uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, indeed. I mentioned uh, I mentioned the, um, the accession of Eastern Europeans. Some of them were former communist nations, Um, Was that one of your better um, chores to do as Secretary General? Um, Well, I don't think it was a chore. And I think it's the thing I'm probably proudest of um, because it felt like you have to remember the the, the atmosphere at the time. The Berlin Wall had come down. These countries were desperate to join the EU to become independent countries, but as part this time of choosing to be part of a bigger grouping as opposed to being subjugated to a bigger grouping. So um, it was a fantastic time, that feeling of, in a way, undoing the wrongs of history after the end of the Second World War. And they were so keen and enthusiastic. Um, But at the same time, the EU is a very complex uh, set of of balances. And we we felt we were on the two sides of the table at the same time. We were negotiating on behalf of the EU and maintaining that only countries that were ready to join could join, but also on the side of these aspiring countries. And I think um, a lot of Irish people in different ways played a role in helping them uh, get ready and enter um, because we had made a lot of the own jur- the journey ourselves. So I think we had a special empathy with them. Yeah, uh, I know from my own experience how unwieldy the Commission can be and how political <laughs> it is. Um, what can be done to streamline, do you think, the running of the place without losing oversight? Um, well, I, 
it's interesting that over time, I think a certain equilibrium is being reached between what the Commission should do and what the Member States should do. And I think in particular, at European level, it tends to do the bigger, longer term projects that certainly would take more than one government or even two governments' terms in office. So big projects like the internal market, like the euro, like making accession work now, the climate and energy package, um, and um, getting less involved in the day-to-day um, work of 27 very different countries. Um, and I think that's that's a kind of a good rule of thumb for the European level to take. Is this something that governments can't do on their own and will do much better collectively? Or is this something that frankly is a national issue and that should be done by the, the government of the day in whatever country? There's been a notable fall off in applications to join the EU civil service from um, Scandinavian, from Nordic countries, but also from this country. Uh, Is that something that worries you, given the fact that if you don't have kind of fresh talent going into the commission from this country, they can't rise to the rank that you enjoyed? Um, Yes, it does worry me. And first of all, I mean, to anybody listening, I would say if you're interested Uh, find out about it. It's a fantastic career, fantastic opportunity uh, to stretch yourself and to make a contribution. And while you're not in the commission, you're not there to represent your country, you are representative of, um, for example, of us being a small country, being on the western edge of Europe um, in all kinds of ways. And what's very, very important when the commission is formulating its policy uh, proposals is that It understands the impact they will have in different countries. Um, And that's why uh, the Commission is serious about having a good national spread uh, among its staff. And it does worry and it does try to take corrective steps when it sees numbers dipping. I think um, for Irish... It won't take corrective steps when it comes to the rule that you must have at least two languages. I was just going to come to that. I yeah. mean, it's it's symbolic in a way of um, the fact that you recognise uh, the world doesn't only speak your language. And I think as English speakers, we tend to be a bit lazy thinking, well, everybody speaks English. But um, it is uh, an unneg- non-negotiable that you must have a second language. And I think that any Irish person who's interested in working long term in the Commission um, should really make the effort to have a certain language. I mean, if people are good at Irish, they can brush that up because Irish is an official and a working lang- uh, fully official language of the EU now. But, but, you, but can't, um, you can't just get in with the cupola fuckle. You need to be able no, to converse to have, well, and write in the, the language. Standard. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and that is, again, just um, first of all, it's important in terms of equity um, because we have um, lots of smaller languages. Um, uh, but secondly, it's a recognition of the fact that you are joining a group where you have to understand their way of looking at the world, their needs and their problems as much as um, looking after your own, so to speak. Well, congratulations. I mean, it is it is possible. Of course, it's possible to, to learn another language and to speak as well enough. Absolutely. And the mental blocks that a lot of Irish people have need to be circumvented, put it that way. Uh, Catherine, congratulations on your award of the Porik O'Higgin uh, uh, for financial services and for being, of course, the former Secretary General of the EU Commission. That's Catherine Day for all your uh, contributions to this country and this continent. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk.